0: Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we are gonna talk about something very special. To me, uh, as one of my good friends, I've known this man for over, wow, 20-something years. And we go way back, way, way back. And it's a beautiful thing. Trevor White, how you doing today, man?
1: How you doing, brother?
0: Hey, I'm happy you on on the No Pics of the Dark podcast. Thank you for
1: the invite. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, anytime, anytime, anytime. So, you know, real quick, um, tell people a little bit about you.
1: That's a loaded question. Um, so I am originally from upstate New York, um, central New York, let me say that. A lot of people from New York City say... When you say upstate, they think you're talking about Poughkeepsie or you know New Rochelle. No, I'm talking about Central New York, um, Syracuse, um, small city, and um, blue-collar city. And from there, uh, I went to Boston College uh, for school, played football there, and then after I got out of school, um, moved over to uh, moved down to New York City, worked in Midtown for a while, and then uh, and then after that. I moved to Baltimore, and I've been down in Baltimore for about 13 years now. Um, got married in Baltimore, had th- my three children in Baltimore, so I guess I'm pretty much a Baltimorean
0: now. I love that. I love. I love that. I love that. I, like I said, I've known this guy for a long, long time. Me and him were sung in the church quieter get together. Yes, Twelve gates to the city, high You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to have him on because this guy's a busy guy, and uh, we only have limited time with him today. But uh, we'll probably bring him back on definitely for more in-depth things that he does. Uh, tell him what you do for for a living.
1: So right now I own a uh, business consulting firm. Um, my specialty is uh, business taxes, small business taxes, and um, some individual tax planning. So that's that's my main uh, scope is uh, small business. Um, planning, small business tax planning, business advisory, and then i will also uh, venturing uh, property management as well.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So I, you know, I wanted to get into the pod and talk about you know your ventures uh, as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to a pod about you today, actually riding around uh, in Eastern Shore, and uh, it was very special. I'd like people to go listen to it. What's name the pod that you were on again?
1: Um, it's called uh, New School Daddy. Uh, my brother-in-law. Um, has a, uh, him and his best friend, Kevin, they have a podcast called New School Daddy, and it just talks about um, new age uh, fatherhood, uh, especially for um, fathers in the African American community and the role of the father, how that's changed um, over the years, where it used to be the father just goes out. And goes works and, 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 and the wife stays at home, she raised the kid. That ain't the case no more. You know, everybody's hands on as you can see, my son's right here with me. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love it, daddy. You know, ex- exactly. So, you know, it's like the new school daddy is different than just a father. You know, we are intimately involved in our children's lives on a regular basis. And that has to also do with our wives and the females in our life being a lot more independent than they've used to so the fathers have to step up and, nice. and also be more you know involved with the children we just can't run off and go do our own thing i, I had to learn that the hard way <laughs> but you know that's just the entrepreneurial journey
0: okay okay that's one i want to give that plug i definitely want to give a plug because i enjoy listening to it thank you um so the first question would be you know i know you forever you jumped out of your nine to five or Mm -hmm. 10 to Mm 10, and you went and owned a bar in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna say, this is crazy. This is back, and you can tell the the audience how old you were when you bought and ran this. How old were you, and where was this bar located in Baltimore? Uh,
1: It it was down in the Canton area, and um, I was
0: uh, 25. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, um, that's young, (laughs) Yeah. that's young. (laughs) And what are some of the things that you know you've learned, like when you went into that business? And this is your first own, your first personally owned business. Yep. What are some of the things? I know you had a partner, John. Shout yeah. out to John Galvin. Yes, sir. Uh, your partner in crime. I know you guys work together as far as business a lot, so yeah. I want to give him a shout out. But go ahead, tell me about some of the things you learned
1: and in going into that endeavor. So we we were pretty confident when we went into into that business. Um, I had gotten got my degree in accounting. I had been working in the accounting industry and uh, with the big four, PricewaterhouseCoopers for about four years. And then when I came down to Baltimore, I was working for, um, it was either um, resident group or s group at the time. And during my time when I lived in New York City after I graduated from school, I was always looking for entrepreneurial ventures, and me and John, we had a um, entertainment company uh, for a while. Back then, it was called Entertainment Company. It was a promotion company, was, you know, quasi, you know, badly promoting parties, you know, in New York City. And um, we would get anybody that we knew in New York City to come out to, you know, a club or whatever. Got involved with some sketchy people or whatever, but. As we were doing that, we were trying to create, um, the name of the company was called Generation X or GX Entertainment. And it was all about inclusion and having these different people from different lanes coming together. And that was our ultimate vision. We wanted to do clothing and we wanted to do, you know, a, a, a restaurant and a club and, you know, have all of these, you know, different segments involved as well, you know, but it started out of us promoting parties. So, when, um, as time goes on, or whatever, you know, different ventures, but we were always looking for a space in Brooklyn. So, we would ride over to Park Slope, or we would ride over to different parts of Brooklyn, but trying to open something in New York City or downtown Manhattan, you're talking like... $10,000, $15,000 $10,000, $15,000 a buff. you know, that was like unheard of money, right, so it was like who the hell can afford to do business in New York City, who are these people opening up these businesses, and this was, you know, 21, 22 years old, you know, so my focus getting out of college was always to go into something entrepreneurial, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. <coughs> My grandmother, you know, she was an entrepreneur, she owned real estate in New York City, she had a travel agency, my father had that same, you know, ambition. Um, He was working for um, um, Budweiser and he needed to go on vacation one time to go see his his mom in New York City and his boss told him no and he was like, what, I got to ask to move you know, around, and he was already doing taxes, and, you know, and he was like, forget this, you know, he quit and, and opened up a little storefront uh, tax preparation business, and he had that forward 30 years, so I, I grew up, um, you know, in my father's office, you know, watching him, you know, do personal, you know, financial services for small businesses and, you know, minorities, you know, in the black community, so... When I moved down to Baltimore, it was like a goldmine to me. For one, it was nothing like the Northeast. You know, the Northeast, you know, we are definitely a minority in the Northeast. But when I moved down to Baltimore and I did some research, I was like, oh, man, for an entrepreneur, I was like, the entry points are endless. You know, and I, I was riding around looking for, you know, locations as I was working Every day, I would be on Craigslist looking for businesses, you know, in um, commercial rental property. And um, and one of the guys I used to work with called Dave. It's the dude, Dave Young. He was old school CPA man. This dude was this dude was ill. He used to always look like man. When are you gonna open something? You know, you always online. You always running out to go see these properties. You know, what are you gonna? And I didn't even know what I was gonna open. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was gonna be a store. And I just knew that I couldn't be trapped. So after about a two year time spent of me looking for, you know, different locations, different businesses that I can potentially, you know, own, I found this restaurant that was for a lease in downtown Canton. And at first I thought that you had to buy a liquor license. I didn't realize you can rent a bar and if the liquor license is already on it, you can do a pseudo contract to buy the liquor license, but you're really only buying it for a dollar. So as long as you rent that space, you own that liquor license. And then if you don't own that space anymore or rent that space, the liquor license goes back to the owner. So they don't lose out at all. And the rent on the place was $3,000 with Mm. the liquor license. Mm. I called John. I was like, John, get your ass to Baltimore right now. (laughs) I was like, yo, this is it. You know, I I, I got it. He was like, well, I was like, yo, next to opportunity you get, this guy was on the road, you know, working for a marketing company, traveling all over the U.S. or whatever. And here I am like, no, quit that job, move down to Baltimore, because we opened up this bar. It's just, we we can do this. We didn't have no money. So, one of my friends, uh, my my other friend at the time, he used to um, be my roommate in college. So... He played for the NFL, but it's not like we went to him for the money. We all sat down together and we said, everybody come up with $10,000, however you can get it. So John went to his parents, you know, Will grabbed some of his money, and you know, I reached and grabbed some of mine, and my sister, and my mom, and we all came up with 30000 And we had this place open in like three months. We got in there, we just you know it, the the bar was aesthetically all right. we had everything on the cheap. I mean, I was a Craigslist gold mine like I was on there, I got somebody to paint the bar for like two hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> the whole thing upstairs downstairs, paint the outside of you know of the bar for about you know two hundred more dollars. We did everything you know on you know on the, on the cheap because we had to make this thirty thousand dollars stretch so our main thing was let's make it look like. Uh, D.C. or a New York City sports lounge. <laughs> the only problem is that concept was not really uh, in Baltimore.
0: You know, I think you guys, to jump in real quick, uh-huh. you, you guys were before your time in Baltimore. A, a, a little bit. I, I would say that mm-hmm. um, um, because aesthetically it was beautiful. Yeah. The lounge upstairs was next level. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of places, I don't know if they still have it. I don't, I'm cutting out, sorry. But I don't know if places in Baltimore even had that still, but you guys were ahead of the find. curve. You yeah. guys were ahead
1: the curve. But go ahead. So you got already? no, no. I think that that bar now, with some updates, could survive in the New Fells Point, in the the outskirts of you know a Harbor East, but the price points now to go into those areas are damn near like they are if you go in New York City or whatever. So, I don't want to dig too far into, you know, how, you know, everything that happened, you know, with the bar. I mean, we were young bar owners, you know, 25 years old, 26 years old, um, very little capital, you know, going into this, you know, shoestring the whole thing. I was... A newlywed, you know. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, you were living. You were you
0: were living in the bar.
1: It, I was yeah, literally living <laughs> in the bar, and my wife was like, "No, this ain't happening." And um, and then a year in, you know, my wife got pregnant, and I already quit my job. You know, I was making good money. You know, I was twenty three, twenty four years old. I was already making you know over seventy thousand dollars. Right. And I'm a young married guy, so. My wife is looking at me like, you did what? But my energy to be an entrepreneur was so strong. Like it was almost to a a rate of depression that I cannot believe that I have to go somewhere every day from nine to five to make, I don't care how much money it was to make this money when I think I can do it on my own Mm -hmm. if I have the right tools. But going into this first venture, I I wasn't mature enough to maximize the opportunity, but I was naive enough to take the chance to do it. And we were open for a little bit over two years. We had had it open eventually. um, We ended up giving the bar up um, and going into other ventures that, ultimately propelled us to, you know, to, to all new heights. But those 24 26 months was the best learning experience that I possibly could have ever had. In was, my
0: life. was that the school of hard knocks there?
1: It was the school of hard knocks. It was the school of what not to do, it was the school of, you know, you needed to know how much capital, the school of know how to hire, how not to hire, you know, who to be, you know, in business with. The one thing that I did not come out of that uh, that experience with is that you shouldn't do business with your friends. You shouldn't do business with your family. You can't hire family. You can't, I didn't get any of those experiences. The one thing I try to tell young entrepreneurs is, understand who your partners are. Hmm. So anytime me and my partners would get in a disagreement, I would back off and I would have to remind myself, why did I originally go into business with these people? Mm. And if I stuck by those lines, everything mm. would get back resolved. Mm. Regardless if somebody was doing their job or their responsibilities to the fullest that I would think, it didn't matter because that was something that I felt like they were strong at. So if I thought that John had a good background in stock in the bar and security and marketing, but... I am keep stepping on his toes about a night or the marketing efforts. That's my problem. That's not him not doing something that, you know, I thought that he would bring to the table. That's me trying to be overly controlling, you know, because I'm the operations guy. I'm the guy behind the scenes. I'm the money guy. So if things ain't lining up the way I think they should be lining up, there's got to be somebody at fault for it. But... Based on the makeup of Baltimore, when we originally opened, um, and I, th- I actually think if the bar was in a different area that was a little bit more, um, not inclusive, inclusive is the wrong word, but a little bit more diverse, I think ultimately it could have worked. Because when we first opened up, the bar was great. It was a great mixed crowd, you know. You know, it was wings in sports. You know, it was it, it was a great. I, I, bro, I
0: remember coming down a couple nights. You had a whole bunch of NFL players hanging out down there.
1: Yeah, so like it was a spot. It, it was it, it was, was real. You know? It was a good spot. Yeah. So you know, and and we weren't you know, we weren't like cocky guys walking around like we like no. we, we the shit. You know, what I mean, like it was just a nice, cool spot. You right. know, and we really believed in that. But in Baltimore. If you're a young African-American entrepreneur um, that's doing something socially, people of that same elk are going to want to be around it. Right. 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 And we were 100% behind it. Like, we were very proud of that concept. But the area that we were in was not exactly the same, you know, feeling. So we didn't care if our crowd was 100% white or if it was 100% black. It's just that those crowds didn't necessarily mix.
0: It's funny because what year is that, two thousand? I was
1: like two thousand seven, two thousand six
0: okay. So I always make a joke about I put it on my podcast a little earlier, um, two thousand six when I was like Yeah, because you guys were we all moved down here around the same time. Mm-hmm. I remember you can only count probably ten black people who were hanging out in Canton. It's
1: very and true. You, and
0: You guys are part of the We school. were one of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we all knew each other in Canton. So yeah. it was like ten of us probably who lived, like who knew each other, mm-hmm. and we all saw each other at the same place. Yep. Coburn's the bar back in the day. Yep. Everybody would go Chinese, there. Yeah. yeah. Everybody would go there. So I get where you're going with that mm-hmm. because I think people need to understand. You know, we talk about diversity and mm-hmm. you know, training and thought and being where you are, but that area just. It was hard. It, and I knew it would be hard because I remember seeing different crowds coming in. Mm-hmm. And that neighborhood likes certain
1: crowds. Well, they, if know. if you don't have the backing of the community, because we right. weren't on a strip. We right. were in the community. We you were in the neighborhood. We were a Corner Bar, inside the neighborhood. So during the week, if you didn't have the backing of the neighborhood, then you weren't going to survive ultimately. Right. Because you... You can make your rent money and your payroll on the weekends, but during the week is where you make your profit. Right. You know, that Monday through Wednesday, Thursday crowd, that steady, you know, coming in there, spending that 20, 30 bucks on dinner and a couple beers, watching the baseball game, that's where you make your profit at. Right. And during the week, your destination crowd is not going to spend 20 minutes looking for parking. No. So being a destination bar inside of a neighborhood where limited, par- when there's limited parking, especially downtown Kent, is not going to work. So, but so many positive things came out of that, nice. you know, endeavor. I mean, I my fraternity brothers, I met them, you know, at, at, at my bar. One of those you know, fraternity brothers, you know, Mark Sai. you know, when things weren't going right in the bar, you know, and I started looking at different avenues to travel, he's the one that pushed me in the direction say, no, you know, you need to, you know, move in this direction and go meet with these people. When I said, nah, I'm not looking down at PG for no, you know, avenues. And that was my, you know, introduction into property management. Nice. And now, you know, I do consulting for property management companies, you know, at a at a high level. Nice. You know, but if I never would have been open to where wherever this entrepreneurial journey is taking me, then I would have fell into a depression. I would have felt like a failure, you know. So also somebody gave me some great advice when someone asked me what happened to the bar. And I told him, oh, yeah, you know, the bar didn't go well. You know, we had to close it. And that this one individual overheard me. And after he heard me engage, he's like, yo, don't tell nobody that. I said, what are you talking about? He was like, never allow somebody to place a negative connotation on something that you were a part of. Mm. So he was like, if someone asked you, you know, what happened to your bar, don't say that, you know, you know, I had to close or something was going right. He was like. Tell them that you moved on to, you know, something else. Makes sense. Because they can't spin that in any direction other than so because now they're gonna try to place, oh, this guy calls himself a business guy. You know, what does he know about business? The business that he was in didn't go, it failed, you know. Right. So don't even allow that to engage in. Always finish or complete that with a positive. So but when I looked at it, it was a positive.
0: It was. You guys you guys were great. You guys had one of the best spots in Baltimore, made it work.
1: I still have guys to this day. You know, when I'm out, you know, at a cigar lounge or something. You know, we had a huge cigar crowd that came to our bar, so I still see these guys on a regular basis. And they're like, "Yo, when are you gonna open up the next clutch? You know, what, you know what's going on?" And over the years, you know, I've looked into it. Me and Johnny have thought about, you know, you know, doing another bar, but when you start making money in other ways and to know how much energy that took to run that operation when, you know, you got kids now. So, I mean, you're literally there from nine o'clock in the morning until three o'clock, you know, in right. the morning. And it takes a lot of energy, you know, to, you know, I mean, we, I couldn't even tell you how many bartenders we went through. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that, that's the business though. That's yeah, the, now, absolutely. Now, what are you currently doing right now? Just, I mean, as far as, you know, I know you said to talked about in the beginning, but <clears throat> You're working for yourself yes. still.
1: Yes. What is your go-to right now? So right now, you know, I mainly do um, business consulting for small businesses. I'm an accountant, so I specialize in tax accounting. So I do a lot of personal taxes. So I'm really busy, you know, between January and April 15th. And that's my bread and butter. But when I do my small business consulting... I I don't come at it from an accounting perspective because I've been involved in business already. So when I'm speaking to small business owners, they're like, who is this guy? You know, this guy really understands inventory. This guy really understands hiring. This guy really understands policy and procedure. This guy understands, you know, that it's very important that I have a structure to my day as an entrepreneur. This guy can really talk me through how to be in business. Rather than just, you know, how do I enter numbers in QuickBooks? You know, so when you sit down with me, I, first of all, I'm going to undress you and figure out, do you really know what, it, what, what, what you entered into when you said you wanted to be an entrepreneur or when you wanted to go into this venture? I'm not going to spend time on, do you have enough capital to start? or, or I'm really gearing into your commitment nice. because we're not going to waste each other's time here. And I don't want you wasting time either. You know, so it's gonna be hard. It's not easy. So, you know, all these people that sit down and listen to these MLN, you know, multi-level marketing pitches of, you know, do you wanna do business on the beach? Nah. That's not entrepreneurship, okay? <laughs> no, no,
0: no it's, a lot, it's a lot more work. It is work. Well, what you do know? you Okay, so I know we I know we're limited on time. I yeah, know we mm-hmm. are, but um, what, what do you what do you say to these young people? Because I I you I, these young kids I've noticed a lot of them, they think they can be Joe Millionaire tomorrow. Yeah. What do you say to, to these young kids if they want us to do this? Like from I mean just you know uh, what do you, what would you say?
1: So the one, so my wife's in education. She she she's a counselor at at a high school in Baltimore, and. We always talk about, you know, the young teenagers so much. So so my main thing is I love the energy and the no fear attitude of this generation right now. They really don't feel like there's any barrier to them becoming anything. What they don't understand is how hard it is. To get there. So what I would say to them, say that one
0: more time. (laughs) Say that, please, please say
1: it one more time. How hard it is to get there, right? And the time that it takes to get there. So, you know, they may, you know, blame that on their situation or their circumstance or whatever. But what I try to tell young entrepreneurs is, none of that matters. Whatever path you want to follow, get on that track and keep progressing. And it doesn't matter how fast it is or how slow it is. Just keep moving forward. So keep that same energy, that excitement, that this is ultimately what you want to do. But know that it's going to take time. I don't care if you have early success. That success, that early success is going to dry up. So if you really want to be in business or follow this venture, keep Progressing in that direction that you want to go in, and you'll be fine.
0: Now you know I because I, I, I want to do a part two with you because we got I, I know we love we're a little tight on time, but because I want to bring you back because you're saying some things that really important to awesome. you, a lot of a lot of young kids out here, mm-hmm. young adults coming out of college. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, easy out here. No. We know it. We know it's not easy. It's gonna be getting even harder, harder mm-hmm. with us going on in the the world we live in. What would you tell your younger self? <laughs> what would you tell your if you look back at your younger self? You know, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tail, coming out of college, you know. What would you tell yourself, you know, knowing what you know now? What would you tell yourself going, like, saying, hey, I'm 21 out of college? What would you tell yourself?
1: So I, I used to have this reoccurring, you know, thought in my head of, you know, or a dream, me waking up, you know, and I'm in college and I'm still playing football and, you know, trying to get back into the game. And for some reason, I would always wake up without ever getting back into that game. So I guess that was my mind telling me that don't be so fixated on what it is that you can possibly change, you know, from the past or whatever. Just be, you know, overly enthusiastic about, you know, what it is that you have in front of you because... You can go back and look back, but you can't do things over again. You can't change it. So I've always looked at all of my experiences as a blessing. And, you know, I'm in like this real like yoga reflective mode, you know, recently or whatever. So I I don't know if where I am right now, I would want to change it. And, you know, if I go back and tell my younger self something that could push me off of where I am right now. And, you know, not only do I feel like I have some semblance of business success right now or um, I would say business consistency, you know, this the, the success word is, is tricky. You know, that does success mean you have a million dollars, or does success mean that you know you can pay your bills? Does success mean that you know, as an entrepreneur, you didn't NSF this month? Exactly. I get it. I get it. So you know, you know, my my wife isn't you know yelling at me for you know not having any money you know right now. So you know, but I'm so blessed with you know having a beautiful wife. You know that you know a rock you know in our family and you know very consistent in her approach you know to marriage she doesn't waver and to have three you know beautiful children you know that are excited to see me every single day i couldn't change anything you know on that line you know because if i would have made different moves you know and, and and one thing never burn a bridge i just want to i just want to put that in there mm. Every business venture that I've done is because somebody from my past has been there to either suggest something to me or to open up a lane for me. And I'm telling you, it ain't all one way. You know I mean, to white people, black people do not burn a bridge because that will come back to haunt you. You want people that don't see you to remember good things about you because I, I reach back constantly you know to people that I've worked with or I've done business with and you know if there's an opportunity then it always circles back. So but I just want to throw that in there but in the same in, in the same notion um I would I guess I would one thing I would tell myself is just to continue to be patient. Because when you're on this path of entrepreneurship it can be exciting but man it can be scary and it can be hard. I mean I mean because we're in America we always focus on the finances. And trust me, there were some past due bills in my pile, okay? You know, through the years. But um but just you know, being patient because when you look back, so I so so uh, you know, I look back at this 16 year time span, you know, that I've been out here trying to figure it all out but damn it doesn't feel like 16 years Mm. you know so now i'm at a point where i can breathe let's just say that but you know i'm like oh damn you know i've i've had my you know my tax practice for you know going on eight years now Mm. wow you know and you know i've been you know can, you know, consulting in different industries, you know, for just as long, you know, as that time. It's like, wow. But when you're going through it, it feels like forever. You know, but now, you know, it's like, well, I'm glad that I believed in myself enough to not backtrack, but to keep moving forward. And that came with a lot of looking at things in a lot of different ways in terms of, you know, how to fix it in your mind, you know, what the entrepreneurial mindset is all about. You know, I really had to learn that and how you can take that entrepreneurial mindset and apply it to so many different aspects in your life. So you don't have to necessarily be in business to have an entrepreneurial mindset. So if you are, you know, in charge of an assignment at work, if you're a manager, if you're someone in a leadership position, if you're someone that aspires to be in a leadership position and you apply that Entrepreneurship mentality You will have the same Pleasure and excitement That someone has You know as an entrepreneur When they make their first dollar Nice You know so Be patient that, that, you know, That's my main thing Hey
0: um, how, can, how can people find you You know this time you put your plug in
1: Absolutely <laughs> So um, I'm, I'm mainly on Instagram um, uh, my, my Instagram is uh, Mr. Dot Tax Pro. Um, on Instagram my website for uh, taxes and consulting services is www.vbs, V as in victor b as in boy s and sam tax.com um and uh and, and, and those are the the best two ways to, to to reach me
0: hey again we're going to do a part 2 of this cuz we can, we need we need digging back we need to dig into all that clutch time because all day, all day. I, I think a lot of people think you can open up a club, or a bar, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's easy. Mm-hmm. They think you got a couple dollars here, there, They think the money, they, they, they see you making money, but are you really making money? Absolutely. And I think sometimes people need to look behind the curtain to see really what goes on day in and out, mm-hmm. and you know, you gotta make payroll. You said you had some bills, hey, weren't paid yet, but you had to, you, you, you're you the boss, you're the one who's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you have clients, you have what's that, uh, employees who gotta pay their bills. Mm-hmm. And you got to make it do. You got to make it happen. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on, man. We're going to do yeah. a part two. All right. Let's because, I mean, like I said, I like everything you've been saying. And the key word I like that you said is patience. Mm-hmm. Patience. It takes time. It takes time. You know, I tell my young cousins, like, listen, they're like, man, your podcast hot. It takes time. Mm-hmm. Take your time. Do it right. Don't come out with some foolishness. Mm-hmm. Do it right. And, like, this season, I'm doing all, like, entrepreneurs. People with business minds like yourself, I love it. and I want people to listen to this. And these are all local Baltimore people, and I want to put us back on the map when it's good light.
1: Be more strong. Let's go.
0: All right, pit folks, we are we out of here with the function co working spot. Appreciate y'all having us here. We out.